Well, everybody, the third installment of the Beatitudes. And um, I want to remind you of a couple of things about the Beatitudes. Right here in the beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached, preached by Jesus, called the Sermon on the Mount, starts with these Beatitudes. They're, they're, they're values that you and I are called to embrace as believers. And we've noticed a few things about these values. First of all, we, we've noticed that they're, they're completely upside down, inside out from anything that the world is teaching right now. Like they just, they kind of, they just don't fit. Remember, we're different. And these are those things that make us different. We're called to celebrate these things, hold on to these things. We've noticed not, not only are they countercultural, we've also noticed that, that God, it, he, he promised a blessing Promise to bless those that live within these, these values. So here's what I'm trying to tell you, God. Here's what God's saying to you. He's like, there's a blessing that you could be living in if you would embrace these things. And the word blessed has been translated happy. Like someone say, oh, how happy is the man. But I need you to understand, it's much deeper, the promise God has for you. It's much deeper than just the happiness that our world understands. Like, like happiness that's based on circumstance or situation. Happiness, happiness that's based on happen means or happen stance. That's what our world thinks of when they hear happen, happiness. But the blessing that God has is actually of, of joy. It's a, it's, a, it's a foundation inside of you that no matter what's happening around you, you're gonna be all right. Like I just know everything's gonna work out, I'm okay. Why, because I'm just, I'm blessed, I'm good, right? And this is available to you as you live within these, this value system. And then the other thing that we see is that every one of these beatitudes has a promise specifically to those who, who live within these. And so you'll hear me in the morning like we just did this morning. I go, hey, turn to your neighbor, tell them, tell them there's more. Come on, tell them there's more. And it was, there's more, because there is. But what happens here in the beatitudes is you don't, just have, you don't just get to tell your neighbor there's more. These beatitudes actually help you live in the more. They, they lead you into the more. It's as you embrace these and live in these that you discover these this, this territory that God has for you to move into. And so, so far we've looked at blessed, the Bible says, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Like, hold up, like, what do you mean, Jesus? The, the kingdom of God, the promises of God, the favor of God is, is not for those who are rich in virtue or are, are, are rich in statue or rich in, in, you know, like, just having their act all together. He goes, no, 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 listen, if you came in here broke, if you came in here hurting, if you came in here tired, if you came in here worn out and beat up by this world, if you came, he says, congratulations. Because for years, it's the kingdom of God. So he says, blessed are, are the poor in spirit. You remember number two, what he say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Because you got places in your life where, where you just gotta look at it for what it is in order to experience the overwhelming comfort, like the promise of God to meet you in those places, when you just, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to just, it's okay to not be okay, everybody. You know? Because when you, when you admit the fact that you're not okay, God, God steps in to, to heal, to comfort, and to minister. Well, today we're looking at number three. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse four. It says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Would you pray with me? God, we ask for your wisdom to understand the truth that is presented to us here in scripture.
God, you by your spirit led for this to be recorded. God, you by your spirit led for us to be here right now in this moment reading this passage. We're all here intentionally. There's something you wanna say to us directly. And so God, as we get now into your word, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Amen and amen. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Here's how I want to approach this today. First thing I want to do is, is talk to you about the promise that Jesus gives, that they shall inherit the earth. Because I think if I get you to understand and get excited about the promise, then I can get you to move toward the value, right? Like, like if, you, if you don't understand the promise, you might look at meekness and go, yeah, I'll, I'll pass on meekness. Like, like you, you see the Beatitudes like a smorgasbord. I'll take... Uh, Two, you know, inside a chicken, I have some steak, I'll pass on the carrots, I'll pass on the, right? And you kind of see, no, it's just like you take them all and then you should understand that they're, they're all good for you, okay? And so what is this promise? Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Well, that promise has uh, tied to it a, a then and there, someone say then and there. Then and there, it's like a future uh, fulfillment, but it also has a here and now. Someone say here and now. So here and now fulfillment. I need you to understand this. The then and there fulfillment. What is Jesus talking about? That the meek will inherit the earth. Well, someday, my friends, I got some really good news for you. Listen, this world um, is not all there is. Like the world as you know it is not all there is. Someday God's going to hit reset on on everything. Can I get a better amen? Like it's going to reset. And the Bible says over in the book of Revelation 21.1, he says, I saw a new heaven and a... New earth. Some of you guys think about heaven and you think it's just like us floating around in space somewhere and God created this other dimensional thing that we're, well, he says we have a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, God is going to restore the earth to its original Eden-like state. And you and I, some of you are like right now going, what? It's, it's all over the Bible. You and I are actually going to rule and reign with Christ on this, on this new earth. Like, like we're going to experience this planet as God intended to be. Like you think the sunsets are good now? You wait. You wait for the, for the new earth. And so there's a day where the meek, you're going to inherit that. It's given to you. This is your land. This is your territory. Okay? Got it? But now the here, the here and now uh, application. For us to understand that, you got to go back to what Jesus is referring to here. The, the, the psalm that he's borrowing this language from is Psalm Psalm 37, 7 through 11. And in that psalm, God is speaking to the Jews of that day who are watching this land of, of Palestine that had been taken captive by their enemies. And they're, they're wanting to move back into and regain that territory. And God makes them this promise. Tell me if this feels like something that might encourage you today. Okay? Look what he says in Psalm 37, 7 through 11. Be still before the Lord. And I think there's a lot of people running around right now that don't know how to be still before the Lord. When we're trying to fix things that you can't fix, you're trying to play God in places where God didn't play, ask you to play God. Playing God is hard. Some of y'all control freaks. You just control freaks. You got to control everything. But you're trying to control things that you can't control. And so God says to you, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Like God's going, I see it. I'm going to show up. I got you. Do not fret when men prosper in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Hello. Like all around us right now. Come on. 
it feels like, am I talking to anybody? Like, and, and like it feels like there's just, there's just some wicked men carrying out wicked schemes, and we're just all, we're just all, you know, just kind of have to submit, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And we're just all, like, and what do we do? Well, here's scripture saying to you, don't freak out. That's, that's, you can't read it there in the English, but in the, in the Hebrew, he said, don't freak out when they carry wicked schemes. Watch this, very interesting. Refrain from e- anger and abandon wrath. God says, hey, kiddos, you're not going to fix anything by getting all bent out of shape and, and responding in wrath. You're not going to fix anything by jumping on Facebook and Instagram and putting them in their place and coming up with a better argument than you tried last time because the last argument didn't work. Now you got a better one. Like if they, you know? And he says, hey, don't fret. Why? Don't do that. Why? What does he say? Watch. For, it can only bring the harm. You're only going to make matters worse. You're not fixing anything. You follow me? For the evildoers will be cut off. Here's a promise. God says, listen, everybody, don't worry. I got this. Can I tell you how this ends? The evildoers will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will, here's the promise, inherit the land. The land, he says, will be yours someday. Don't stress about it. Don't freak out about it. Don't act in anger. Don't act in wrath. He's telling, remember, context of, of, the, of the Jews in that time, hearing, hearing, reading this psalm back in the day, Palestine will one day be ours again. God's going to do it. He says, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. For the, but the meek... Let's talk to the meek. Here's our verse. But the meek will inherit the land and they will enjoy peace and prosperity. There's a promise given to the meek. And those who originally heard it understood that God was someday going to give them that physical territory. They're going to move into it. Okay. And then you fast forward to when Jesus was actually proclaiming this. Now go to his audience. The way they would have interpreted this, hearing it that day, is that... If they were to practice meekness, whatever this thing is, we've got to figure it out in a little bit. If they were to practice meekness, in their minds, inheriting the land would mean that, that they would finally find themselves liberated from the Roman oppression that was on them at the time that Jesus walked this planet. And so they're thinking, if I walk in meekness, I'm going to see freedom from this, this oppression. That our people, come on, our people will someday experience a liberation from all these wicked schemes. Why? Because God promised it to those who are meek. Meek. It wasn't promised to the, to the arrogant or those filled with wrath or those who are going to go out in their own way and their own strength and do their own thing. No, it was promised to the meek. And so I'm telling you, church, listen, there is a then and there fulfillment of this to us. You someday those who are meek, who belong to Jesus, you're going to inherit the earth. But there is a now, a here and now promise to us. And I would say it to you like this, friends, is that it's through meekness that we take back the places where the enemy has a stronghold. It's through meekness, church, that, that we move into territory God wants to move us into. There's land that he desires for us to possess that is now under the control of, of, of wickedness. But he says, I'm going to move you there as you move into meekness, okay? There's land that he has for us to possess. Like, there's places where God desires to expand the kingdom of God at your workplace, 
in your school, in your immediate family, in the circle around your family. God is going to bring the kingdom. You're going to inherit some territory. You're going to move into that land. How? As you're meek. Meek. There's, there's power in meekness. There's strength in, in meekness. And, and God is going to use you and I as we practice meekness to expand the kingdom into a place right now that desperately needs the kingdom more than ever. Our schools need the kingdom. I'm going to talk to some of you high school, junior high kids. Listen to me. You're going to watch God as you practice meekness, bring revival to your campus because you understand what it is to walk in meekness. And God is going to meet you and empower you and do things through you that you can't explain other than God did this. Why? Because I'm walking in meekness. Meekness. There's, there's territory even in your own life where the enemy has a foothold right now, personally. Like the territory you need to inherit, that you need to move into, that you need to see victory in is, is not at school. Like it's in your own soul. It's in your own life. And I'm telling you, there's, there's a promise to those who are meek. You're going to see some, some freedom up inside yourself. And some, you're going to take some, you're going to possess some land inside of you that God, God wants you to possess and to, to move into and have victory in as you walk in meekness personally. And so there's so much promise in this, Right? Blessed are the meek, because they win. <laughs> Blessed are the meek, because like, it's, it's, it's going to be all right. For who? The meek? The meek? The meek? You don't like that word, do you? Because here's, here's what happens. We have a problem. Is that when we're trying to understand what Jesus is teaching us, we're gonna, often we, we're going to do so through the lens of culture, through the lens of our own experience, through the lens of what's happening around us. And it's a, it's a really big mistake to make. When you're trying to interpret scripture. Don't interpret scripture based on culture. Let me give you a really, really important principle. You interpret scripture with scripture. Okay, that came out of, a, that principle came out of the Protestant Reformation. They, they taught us to interpret scripture with scripture. In other words, if I see something I don't understand or something I want to know more of, you're going to go to your concordance. You're going to look up that word all over the word of God. And you're going to watch how it shows up. And that's going to give you the understanding of, of meekness, of what, the biblical definition of meekness is. When, when you look at meekness according to the world, you end up with something that's not actually biblical meekness. So when you think of meekness according to the world, what do you get? What do you end up with? Come on, you end up with, um, well, you end up with someone who's timid, right? Come on, right? Don't say that what you think of when you think of meek. It's kind of timid. Kind of timid here. Don't rock the boat. Yeah? Don't. Don't disturb anybody. Don't disrupt anything. Just kind of go with the flow, you know. Don't, don't be in conflict. Just, just kind of avoid it, you know, carefully at all costs. You know, the, the dictionary definition, literally, if you look it up in Webster Dictionary, I try to bring one in, but I can't find a Webster. They don't even have these, like, remember those big old Webster Dictionary? Like, let's go, when we open it up, and we're going to go to meekness. And here's what it says. Ready? Meekness. Compliant. Overly submissive and spineless. Listen, here's what I worry about today. Is that the church has actually let that definition of meekness take hold within our own lives. And we think, blessed are the meek, overly submissive, spineless, for they will inherit the earth. Just 
kind of be everybody's punching bag. Just, just take it. Just, just you know, don't, don't, don't just be the doormat. Just, I'm just here to serve. Just walk all over me. Just whatever you want, right? Like, just be meek. We're spineless, see? And, and, and that definition of meekness is, I think, seeped into the church. And, and here's what happens when, when, when we've allowed that to happen. When we're unwilling to stand up for what's right, and we slip into this understanding of meekness, guys, we, we cease to be the catalyst for change that the world so desperately needs. Because we're not putting our foot down anywhere. We're not, right? And so what you need to understand, you guys, that, that we think meekness is, is weakness. Don't rock the boat. Don't, don't. So, so here's how you picture meekness. I'm just a feather, Right? Where's the wind blowing today at work? Oh, they're, they're talking about what during lunch? Okay, I'm, I'm, I really like that too. Whoa, okay, here we now we're talking about this. And here's what the culture says is acceptable. And then we're going to, and just kind of, just, just be meek and mild. God, you'll help us inherit the earth, right? We just keep, just keep surrendering to what everybody says. And some of you think this is meekness. You just kind of float around, you know, because, well, we read it in Webster Dictionary. Compliant, submissive, spineless. And some of you picture Meekness like this. But here's what I want you to understand. We're now, we're not going to look at culture. We're going to look at Bible. What does the Bible say meekness is? And so we got to get our mind around it. And here's what I give. Spoiler alert. As we look at these things, meekness in, that Scripture presents will never lead the church to complacency or indifference. Okay? Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Meekness actually leads us to, to become a powerhouse of movement in a culture that needs change. And so let me show you how it happens. Jesus is the first example of meekness, isn't he, right? And we know that Jesus was meek because he, he, he told you he was meek. Look what, look what it says. Over in the, in the book of uh, Matthew, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 29, Matthew 11, 29 says, Jesus is inviting you, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am, what? Meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for my soul. So here we find the picture of Jesus that so many people love today. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus, just the long flowing hair and the, the robe and just kind of coming in and, you know, just peace and flowers everywhere and just Jesus, little halo, just Jesus, right? And this is what you think of meekness. Now watch, watch. He's saying, learn from me this meekness. But you back up just eight verses before, just eight verses, and let me introduce you. Same Jesus, but let's, let's read Jesus, this I'm quoting from him, Matthew 11, and, and here's what it says in Matthew 11, 21 to 24. But I tell you, Jesus speaking, I, these are red letters in your Bible, everybody. It's his voice saying, I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted up to the heavens. No, you're going to be cast down into Hades or to hell. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Who's that talking? Jesus. Who's he talking to? An unrepentant people. A, we're going to do it our own way. People. And Jesus says, warning. And he's speaking truth. Like unapologetically. He's warning them. Hey, you keep that up. And I'm telling you, it's not going to work out good for you. And that was that mean Jesus. How dare you, Jesus, how could you? 
That's the most loving thing you can do. Oh, just let people do what they want and, and believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do and identify how they want to identify. And then, can I just tell you right now, the one of the most loving things you could do is say, listen, I, I love you so much that I need to tell you. I need to tell you the truth. And, and, and the truth is God has more for you than the path you're walking right now. It's wrong. And, and you keep walking. You think you're finding peace and, and satisfaction and joy. I'm telling you, you are, there's an end coming. And I just want to warn you up front. There's a better way. Oh, but they don't believe that. And they don't want to. There's a better way. God created your life to live within these gospel lines. And in those gospel lines, he will bless because it's how life's meant to be. Like you move outside those gospel lines, I'm telling you, God's got more for you, right? So here's Jesus, meek, but also strong. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. We see it all over Jesus. We find that Jesus was passive in regards to self, but he's aggressive in regards to the kingdom. You want to know what meekness is? Listen, it's passive aggressive. <laughs> hey, God wants to change the world through some passive aggressive people. And here's what, I, here's what it is. Look at it. It's your passive in regards to self. When it's about me and my agenda and my face and my pride and my glory and my, my agenda and my, I'm passive. Just let it, it's not about me. But we're aggressive in regards to kingdom. Oh, this is about, it's about biblical principle. This is about truth. This is about what's right. This is about, he's like, come on. I'm aggressive. Passive in regards to me, aggressive in regards to kingdom. Meek or passive aggressive. You see it all over life with Jesus. So with Jesus, he he, he was perfect, sinless, right? Right? Okay, right, right, okay, good. Just check it. Just check it. We're at Citizens Church. We know our Bibles. Okay. He sent us so that means every time there was an accusation laid against Jesus, every time there was, he was mistreated, it was wrong. Like he had all the right in the world to do something about it. He could have at any minute called down legions of angels to wipe out anybody. They come in to arrest him in the garden. He's like, like, matter of fact, he flexed a little bit, remember, and it knocked him all over. He's just like, I want you to know, I could, but I won't, right? What is that? It's meekness, meekness, meekness. When he was before Pontius Pilate, and he's saying all these things, Jesus, about him that were wrong, and accused Jesus at any minute could have just, just a little flex and just take, but he never did. When, when it was against him, they just kind of roll off his back, whatever. But the moment the kingdom is being challenged, the moment something, there's, the moment that there's money changers inside the place that's called the house of prayer, oh, no, he's going to make a whip. He goes in, hey, not in my house. This is called a house of, he's running out of the whip. What is that? It's meekness. Passive, aggressive. Passive, aggressive. So you go to the Old Testament and you see this principle uh, played out as well. Think about Moses. Moses was meek. How do we know? He told us so. He, he, wrote, he wrote the book, and in the book he said, Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. <laughs> it's pretty good you say it about yourself. It means you're really, I wrote, I'm the most humble person in the world, and I wrote a book about how humble I am. So Moses was meek. Well, what's that mean? Moses was just a noodle and just kind of, just kind of, oh, no, the Pharaoh. Pharaoh's got us in, okay, and oh, people are in slavery, whatever, you know. It's just, 
No, no. What, we know that Moses, watch, Moses in that meekness was a deliverer. Like he was a warrior, right? He was a Red Sea divider. Like just that God through that meekness was doing mighty works through the life of Moses, right? So passive in regards to self, aggressive in regards to kingdom. Matter of fact, he's so passive in regards to himself that when God says, tells him to stand up for the kingdom, he's like, God, am I really the right guy? Like, I don't know if I got this. I mean, I, I just don't know if I'm strong. He said, God, I have a speech impediment. You want me to go to the Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go? I don't know if I can do that, God. I'm, I'm passive. But God, if it's for your kingdom, here I am, send me. I'll go. Okay. And he went to the Pharaoh. Let my people go. You say, no. Okay, well, God's got this little plague thing. He's going he's gonna to deal with you. And I'll try it again. I'll try it again. And eventually, if you don't let us go, we're, just, we're, just, we're going. We're out. We can't run and do this anymore. And Moses in his meekness, watch, passive in regards to self, aggressive in regards to kingdom. I want to give you one more thing about David. King David, this is wild. I still can't get my mind around this, right? David is anointed king as a young man. You know the story, some of you. Samuel comes to the house of Jesse, and he's looking for the next king. God told him that the next king is in the house of Jesse. He goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse brings in front of him seven sons. They're all built and ripped, and like you look at them, and you'd go, that should be a king. And those of you girls who are single in here would be like, that should be a king. Oh, that should be my man, right? Like, because they, they were those guys. And then uh, after he goes to the seven, he's like, you got to have one more. God, I checks the address. God said, come to this address. And he goes, well, we actually have a, a shepherd boy. He's not, he's not much to talk about. He's out there tending sheep. It's what they give to the least of the servants, you know. You'd never find a family member doing this. But David's out there and he's keeping the sheep. So Sam says, bring him here. And God says, this is the man. And God anoints him to be king. And some of you will think that God anoints him to be king and like, like that next day David went to the kingdom and he's king. But there was like years before, before he became actual king. So he's anointed king, but there's this time and space in which he has to operate before he actually becomes king. What's David doing? He's back out with the sheep. He just hang him with sheep. And he's... Being chased by that time by Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. The current king's trying to kill him. And he's running around from, from place to place and cave to cave, hiding, hiding from Saul. And then you, you read this story. And I've actually been to this place. You read this story in 1 Samuel 13. Watch this. Meekness. Where David, the anointed king, is being chased by the then king. And he, him and his guys run into a cave. So David's in the cave and they're all hiding out. And while they're in the cave... Saul, the current king, that God said you're actually going to take over for, comes into the, into the cave. It says to relieve himself. Now, you all know what that means. Don't make me explain it to you. you got to use the restroom. So he comes in and he puts his robe down. And he goes over to, to, as Scripture says, relieve himself. While he's doing that, David takes his knife and he cuts off a part of, of Saul's robe. Saul comes, takes his Robe walks back out, and David comes to the mouth of the cave. Hey, I could have killed you today. I mean, think about it. He was alone in that cave with all of David's men, but David didn't. Now, I don't understand this. Like, if, if I'm David, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, this is over, right? Like, 
I'm done being taunted by this guy. I'm done submitting to this wickedness. I'm done. And all we have to do is jump him. Like, we, come on, we could gang up. We got more for us than with him. Let's just do it. Let's end it right now. But he doesn't. Why? Meekness. Because, you see, David's agenda was to stay pure before God. His motive, listen, was to please God and God alone, to only fight the battles that God would ask him to fight in the way that God wanted to fight them. He was submitted to God. Matter of fact, it tells us that he felt bad about cutting the robe. How dare I touch the kings that God's anointed, he called him. I don't get that. But it's meekness. It's not taking matters in my own hands. It's saying, submitted to God. Matter of fact, the day finally comes when, when the kingdom of, of Saul falls and David stands in and comes in and, and is anointed king. The day finally comes. And in the book, of, the book of Acts, Paul recounts that story, and here's what he says. This is, the, this is meekness, guys. Watch. Acts 13, 22. After removing Saul. By the way, who removed Saul? God did it. After removing Saul, God made David their king. And he testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do everything I want him to do. Meekness. David's just like, God, whatever you want. See, meekness, friends, is not about the absence of arguments and disagreements. It's not about the absence of fighting. Listen to me, church, very closely. It's about making sure we're fighting for the right things in the right ways. It's not that we don't fight. It's not that we don't put up a little. It's just we fight for the right things in the right ways. David, like, God, do you want me to jump them right now? I'm, I'm not feeling a piece about that. I'm going to cut off his robe. Ah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Why? Because, God, I just want to, I'm trying to hear you. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. You see, so listen to me. You have to fight. So there's some of you here, you're going to get all, you, this, you're, come on, Pastor, finally tell him, right? Let's go. Like, you got to fight, right? You got to fight. Even with all these lights, doing a little dance around us. I don't know what's going on. You got to fight. Some of you are excited about this. Look, but it's true. Some of you need to hear this. You got to start putting up a little fight, okay? Like, you got to fight for your family. You got to fight for your kids. You got to fight for your school. You got to fight for your city. You, we got to fight for our nation. You got to put up a little fight. You got to put up a little, I mean, you got to. Like, like God has called his kids not to be spineless. Like we, we got to fight. And some of you are like, oh, this is so exciting, right? But listen, you got to fight his battles in his way. We're not fighting for ourselves. Caution. We're not fighting for our honor, our, our pride. But the battles we fight are for the sake of principle, kingdom, God's glory, God's honor, gospel truth. This isn't about me. It's not about me saving face. It's not about me finally putting my family in their place. This isn't about me finally putting that coworker and winning the argument and letting them see that I was right all along. Me, me, me. It's not about that. This is about God's glory and God's kingdom and God's truth and God's gospel and God's come on. You see what I'm saying? You see, it's a, we're gonna fight, but this isn't about me. Here's, here's how it's said in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, 
and I must decrease. What is that meekness? That's about you. My heart, I'm going to keep it right. As I go out to do this, it's for you. It's for you and not, not me. This isn't about me. This is fighting. This isn't fighting for my things and my way, but God's things and God's way. And that's so important. So important. Because some of you heard, like, you got to put up a fight and you're like, finally, pastor, let's do it. Forget that feather business. Come on. And you, you hear this, like, you got to put up a fight and you're like, I'm going to show up to work. Pastor said, put up a fight. I'm going to bash some skulls in, in the name of Jesus. We're going right, we're gonna, to we're gonna write some posts in the name of Jesus. We're going we're gonna, right, we're gonna, to we're gonna go to work, right? And you're like, you're coming at it with a hammer. But be careful. Don't get too excited. Jesus made a whip. All right, come on. So excited about this. But watch. That's not meekness. Let's do this. So? If this isn't meekness, right? Because it's not. And this isn't meekness. What's meekness? Watch, you ready? Put these down and go like this. It's, okay, God, here we go. I'm, I'm walking into something here, and I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but, God, I'm going to do what you want, want me to do. I want to say submitted, God. It's, it's this, this surrender that I want to live in. You got, God, it just help me. Like, okay, so, Lord, here's this thing. We got, we got, some, we got, some, we got some confusion, and we've got some fight happening right now all over the place. Do we vaccine? Vac, no vac. Like, what do we do? Can we just get real? What you got to do is learn to walk in meekness. There, I talked to teachers last week going, okay, so Pastor Chris, we have this thing happening where teachers are going to, you know, step out. What do I do? I don't know what you should do. But here's what I can tell you you need to do is to find meekness. You, you, you feel like... Some of you, I'm just, and can we just, before everyone gets in a big, you know, like, cause all sorts of uh, controversy, let me just tell you right now, you need to understand this. Someone say there's grace for that. So, like, we need, everyone needs a vaccine. Okay, that's your, your personal conviction. You, you have all the right in the world to sit and hold and, 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 and hold on to that. Can you do it with meekness, please? Hey, some of you are like, no, no, we shouldn't have vaccine. We gotta say, okay, that's fine. Everyone, everyone, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you before God to, to honor the thing that you believe God's spoken to you personally, okay? But now take that thing and let it outflow in meekness. What is meekness? God, it's pursuing God's heart and how he wants you to, right? How, how, right? So teacher, you come to me and you're like, I don't think our kids, should, I, I'm going to go from this angle, right? Because at a lot of kids, I don't think our kids should be vaccinated. I don't know, should I make a stand? Should I make a stand? What do, what do I do? Here's what I, here's what I'm telling you. Meekness. I'm going to tell you how to get there in a second. So some of you are like, like if, if, if I don't go to school, I'm making a stand. That feels good. But also if I don't go to school, then I'm, I'm letting up, the, like, I'm, 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 my poor principal. Like, I really care for my principal. And if I don't show up, like, peace out. Is that, that's probably not a good witness. So I feel like i got to kind of be there. But I don't want to be there because I, I really think the kids shouldn't get vaccinated. And I, I don't know what I should do. Okay? 
um, you work in the medical field, and everyone's like, you got to, but you have your own convictions. Can I tell you, be true to your convictions as God's whispering in your heart, but as you do it, here's what you're going to do. Ready? Here's how you practice meekness. Write these three things down. The first thing you're going to do in every one of these situations is you're going you're gonna to step back. Someone say step back. What do I do? Do I, do I go to the school? Or do I, do I, oh, I don't know. Here, hey, oh, hey. Step back. Step back. James says this. In the book of James chapter 1, it says every man must be quick to hear, slow to speak. If we can bring that up in James chapter 1. And slow to wrath. For, watch, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here's what's happening. Watch, guys. We're going we're gonna to take a step toward meekness. It means you got a knee-jerk reaction inside of you, don't you? Come on, don't you? Like when something happens, when you hear something, when you, when you watch something on Instagram, when someone sends you a thing, when it, there's a knee-jerk reaction inside of you. And if you're like me, you, you've, you've got this, what? Right? You, you get up the hammer. Let's go get them. Right? So first thing you're going to do, because we're going to practice meekness, we're going to step Step back. In other words, I'm not going to give in to my knee-jerk reaction. Why? Because Scripture says right here, the wrath of man, or literally the knee-jerk reaction of man, your natural impulse and reaction in that moment will not produce the righteousness of God. It's not going to bring about what God desires. If you just walk around reacting to everything around you. Look at me. You're in a, you're in a, a reactive society right now that's reacting to everything and everyone. And you need to be different. When, everything's, when bombs are going off all around you, you're just like, I'm not reacting. I'm going to step back. Oh, I will respond, but I will not react. Because reacting is my knee-jerk reaction. Reacting is, you're going to get me. You're going to see my pride. You're going to see my ego. You're going to see my idea. You're going to see my agenda. You're going to see me safe face, and you're going to get my words. You're going to get, but I'm not going to give you that because I want, God, I want to see what God can do in this. And he literally said, the wrath of man, knee-jerk reaction, that won't produce what God wants. So, whoo, it's going to be hard to do. But you sent me that email. It's all bitter, and I'm not going to respond back with a more bitter email. I'm going to write one, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not getting anything done. The wrath, they don't need my wrath because it doesn't produce what God wants. So here's this opportunity. Here's this thing coming up. Teachers are going to, some are going to come, and some are going to go. Some are going to stay home. Some of the kids are going to go. What do I do? Here's what I tell you not to do. Don't just react. So you need to step back. Everyone say step back. And when you step back, that's going to give you some time to do this. It's called look up. Look up. I'm not reacting. I'm going to respond. I'm going to look up. I'm going to go, okay, God, what do you want me to do in this? I'm going to create some space, God, for you to speak to me. How do I navigate this, God? What do you, what do, what do you by your spirit, you've got to have a God who speaks to his kids. Amen? God, speak to me right now. Show me. This is where... This is where you're going to get some counsel. The Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. What are you trying to do? You're trying to align your response, not reaction, your response to the heartbeat of God. David in the cave, God, what do you want, right? What, what, what instance is this, Jesus? What, how, so you're going to get wisdom in a, the Bible says a multitude of counselors. It says multitude for a reason. Because some of you are like, I got wisdom. Where'd you get it from? My sister who agrees with me on everything. This is a multitude of counselors. In other words, you ask around. You find some spirit-filled people to say, can you help me with this? 
I, I need some wisdom. I got to help me process what I'm going to do, do here. What is that? You're stepping back. You're, you're stepping up. This is the, the, the looking up. This is you getting God's heart. This is you. Watch, church. We forget about these Bible verses. But the Bible says before you go remove a speck from somebody else's eye, get the plank out of yours. <laughs> I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. What happens when we look up and get the plank out of our eye before I go get the speck out of somebody else's? It changes my tone, doesn't it? I don't come at you with a chainsaw. I come at you like, oh, hey, there's a little thing right here. And it's going to hurt. I know because I just got a plank out of my eye. And that was painful. Changes my tone. Do you hear me? It changes my tone. I think there's a lot of Christians saying the right things today in the wrong way. And you say the right things all day long, but if you say them in the wrong way, they will never be heard. Get the plank out of our own, like this, right before I go to the world. Now I go how? Broken, humble, loving, caring. My heart is aligned with Jesus. And when I speak to you, now watch, a power from on high rests on me. Because I'm not flexing my muscles. I'm submitted to God's muscle. That makes sense. I'm watching his strength in this conference. He's anointed now. Why? Because you're not getting my wrath. You're getting God's heart. And the world needs God's heart right now. Does God's heart just look at everything and go, oh, it's all peach keen? It's all good? No, God's heart breaks. God's heart, God's heart is grieved. God's, God's heart, but when God speaks, there's going to be, well, it's going to be wisdom in it. God, through us, is going to do what needs to be done. God, through us, is going to say what needs to be said. But I need to make sure it's God through me and not me through me. Because what the world needs is God through me. What is God going to have me do? Sometimes it's make a whip. Sometimes it's bear a cross. Jesus did both. He made a whip in defense of the kingdom. He bore a cross to populate the kingdom. All of it, though, was for the kingdom. All I can tell you, friends, is get your heart on page with the heart of God to stand for the honor of God, the gospel of God, right? So we got to step back. Just step back, everybody. Look up. Get God's heart. Change your tone. Think through it a little bit. Get some perspective. I talked with those teachers, many of them, and what do I do? And man, some of them, teachers decide I'm going to go because I feel like that's the most honoring thing I could do because my principal and I have this relationship and I just don't want to let her down or him down. And hey, you do that before the Lord, then props to you. Don't feel bad. That's what you should do. Others, you prayed about it and you said, I need to, I need to, I need to stay home. And, I need to, and hey, you heard that from God? Props to you, because listen, both of you were desiring to walk in meekness because you were submitted. Come on, do you get this? To the heart of God in it. And so watch, you could have two people showing up to the same, to the same fight. Two people showing up to the same march, the same one is walking in pride and in arrogance and in and in I'm gonna put him in the and I'm gonna and 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 there's no power in it. It actually frustrates things and it makes a mess of things and it, and it just disturbs it all the more. The other shows up to the same fight, broken before God, 
seeking his heart, guarding their words, watching their... And all of a sudden, there's this anointing that rests on it because there's meekness there, right? It's David in the cave going, God, what do you want me to do? Is this you? No? Okay. Okay. See? Step back. I'm going to say step back. Say look up. And then you're going to move out. When God speaks to you and he shows you what it is you need to do, you need to do what it is he's asking you to do with the heart that he's called you to do it with. Don't be afraid to take the step. I'm going to speak up at, at the lunch tomorrow. I know when I go to lunch, everyone's going to be talking about that thing, and I've been ignoring it, but I've been praying about it for a long time, and I feel like I need to speak out. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to ask that person that keeps saying all the things to, to maybe meet with me afterwards. In, in love, I'm going, to, I'm going to move out on what God has shown me. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to. God, if you said to, I'm going to. Moses is like, what? You want me to go to the Pharaoh? Right? God, you really, really? I, I don't have a speech impediment, and I, and I shouldn't be doing this. But okay, God, fine, fine. You want me to go? Ooh, here we go. I'm going to move out. And Moses goes to the Pharaoh. He goes to the Pharaoh, and God anoints it, and he blesses it. And God is behind him with power, and there's these plagues, and there's the, like, because the whole time Moses, his strength is found, and the power is found, the movement is found in him just staying in line with God step by step. So you got to be willing when you hear it to not go, well, that looks hard. That looks confrontive. That looks, you got to be willing to go, okay, God, I step into it with, with humility. Come on, right? With humility, with brokenness. God's, I'm going I'm to step into it. And the moment you do, and here we go, we'll close. The moment you do, friends, you find true strength. You begin to inherit the land. God opens up doors that you could never open. You walk in meekness. When you walk in meekness, you're not pulled around by the tide of culture and the influence of friends because you live for Christ. See, if you don't practice meekness, everybody, you're going to get caught up in doing all you can to get along with everybody because you're worried about what others think. You're fighting for your reputation instead of Christ. But when you practice meekness, you live before an audience of one. You're just like, okay, God, I'm yours today like I was yesterday, like I'm going to be tomorrow, and I just want to just stay submitted to you today. I'm going to go out. I'm going to walk with mercy and grace and, and truth and grace. You just show me how you, how you want me to take these steps. You know, the, the word for, for meek is, refers to, back in the day, it's the word they used to describe a horse that had been broke. So imagine like a big old st stallion, just I'm a stallion guy, oh, just like big old quarter horse, big old, you know, like just strength, just ripped. I mean, you can't see this. I'm just ripped. Just boom, Clydesdale, right? And that horse in itself, like I just running wild. There's somebody just running wild. But you're running wild, you end up actually making messes, right? What happens when a horse is broke, that word meek, they've been broke. All the power and all the could do and think they is, is watch, here's your word, submitted to the master. They're broke. God, you want me to go right? You're pulling me? Okay. Oh, I'd love to go right. I like going right, God. Left? It's all about it, Lord. Run? Let's go. Oh, slow. Okay, God, what is this? It's meekness. It's, it's ultimate power. 
under ultimate constraint. It's, it's power. Come on, amen. Like, just going, God, use us. And when we get there, when we get there, they, like, it's spirit-infused. It's just surrender, guys. Just surrender and walk with him. Or it says, walk in the spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust. Just walk in the spirit. God, speak in my heart. Amen? Like, just walk. What do you want me to do? Just do it. In Jesus' name. You discover your, your, that, that horse discovers its full potential when it's yielded to the master. Like, let's, let's just go discover our full potential. And I'm telling you, God's not going to leave the world the way it is. He's going to raise up a generation. He's going to raise up a people. He's going to raise up some students. He's going to raise up, raise up some mom and dads. He's going to raise up some teachers. He's going to raise up some, some, some employees who start to walk with this, this meekness, power under constraint, yielded to the master. Speak when he, t- come on, amen. And God will move us into the land. God will bring the change that needs to be brought through the church as we live in meekness. Can I get a better amen, church? Amen? Come on, let's live in that meekness.